if you were stuck in this house, would you do? Who do you think you'd be? Do you think you would be Ben? Do you think you would be Cooper? Or do you think you would be? Uh, I mean, if we're ju- if you're just the men, if you feel like you'd be one of the women, you know, feel free to say it. Ooh, um, gross! No, no, of course not. That's, that's, that's not that's not where I'm coming from. Or do you feel like you would be the um, the other man who, like, you know, is also has been in the house with Cooper for a little while and then gets killed at the gas pump? Um, who do you feel like you would you would be in uh, in this house? Your personality. Yeah, um, I definitely think I would be the guy, like the yokel whose house it is and who keeps going like, oh, don't shoot Mr. Gumster. Oh, man. And then he's like, oh, it was my uncle. I just couldn't shoot him. Oh, man. And then he like gets blown up accidentally trying to like unlock something in a really stupid way. Like, yeah, like 100%. That is what <laughs> I would be. I would be that person. Yeah. What about you, Ricky? Who would you be? Who would you be? I, I, you know, I, 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 I think I would be, um, I think I would be the wife of Cooper <laughs> <laughs> and I would be like, Hey, we should go talk to those people up there. And, you know, whichever woman who I am like, you know, I guess apparently it'd be my wife. Cause we have a child. I imagine it would kind of be the, like my child and the child's stepmother, or it would be like, I'm the stepfather and that's the child's mother. And, and she would be like, you know, in full, like manic eyed kind of like, absolutely not. Shut up. You listen to me. This is what we're doing. And I would kind of have to be like, okay, honey, like, well, you know, wh- wh- whatever, whatever you want. And then I would die at her hands, you know, or at, at the very least at, at, at her decision making. Right. Doing some I was too scared crazy to thing. But like. So you're like in the room going like, I don't know. I think we ought to go up there. And she's like, fuck you. And you're like, okay. And you just sit down and don't actually ever do anything about it. Well, really what she's saying to me is something like, you never trust me. You never want to listen to me, which is like nev- not really the case. But I I will internalize that immediately and be like, oh, she's right. I don't like now is the time to trust her. This is like a very serious situation. She clearly feels very passionately about this and I should listen to her. And so I, 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 I shut my mouth instead of continuously expressing, um, uh, you know, concern for where the situation seems to be going. And I wait and I wait and wait and it gets more and more dire as it does in the movie with Cooper and his wife. And I express concern once again. And, um, you know, m- once again, she, she, you know, she calls me a misogynist for not having, uh, for, for not listening to her and for not mm-hmm. trusting where she's coming from about going upstairs and being with the other people. And then I get murdered by her uh, son because he turns into a zombie and um, he murders me. So that's that's generally what, what happens. And it's her fault. I always knew however you died, Ricky, it would be deeply allegorical. I just... <laughs> Respects. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Why do you have to be so cruel? What? Show some respect. Now they're running.
running for their lives. A biologist in Stockton, California, have released reports focusing on the phenomenon, specifically on that trance-like state. Every shelter is becoming a trap. Are you sure we're going to be all right? Cooper, you got to help me out! And every road out... Don't stop no matter what happens. ...is just another dead end. They're coming right for us! Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Welcome to w- welcome to Thirty Years Later. Uh, I'm your host, Frankie Camilleri. I'm joined by uh, the co-host of Thirty Years Later, Chris Chafin. Hi, Chris. It just sounded like an attack the way you said. I was co-host. trying so hard to not make it sound like an attack. That's what's... <laughs> I really tried. You're uh, just extremely in your head about it and you fucked it the up the gist I have to of say. this podcast is that we talk about a movie that came out 30 years ago this week this week being the week before Halloween obviously we're talking about a horror movie and this week's horror movie from 30 years ago is Tom Savini's 1990 Night of the Living Dead remake Tom Savini being the uh, actor and very famous makeup effects artist who did the makeup effects for Romero's Dawn of the Dead for Romero's Day of the Dead for uh, Maniac by William Lustig. Uh, he is also uh, in uh, From Dusk Till Dawn by Robert Rodriguez, clearly as an homage to the work that he had done as a makeup effects artist. Uh, I think he did the makeup effects for Romero's Creep Show. Uh, an incredible um, an incredible makeup effects artist, one of the legends, uh, and he decided to direct this movie, uh, co-written by George Romero and produced, in his, in his words, by... Um, some assholes who completely ruined uh, the movie. Before we even get into it, I should just say that Tom Savini has disowned this movie. He has said that the producers yeah. fucked it up completely. That I think he called them two dumb fucking two producers. Two dumb fucking producers. <laughs> three days before the movie was starting to shoot or three days into it, I can't remember, He his wife filed for divorce. So he was not in the... Uh, he was not in a very good state while shooting the movie. The MPAA was waiting for the movie and completely neutered it, apparently, and cut out, uh, according to him, specifically every exit wound shot in the movie. So what the movie ends up boiling down to is a very oh neutered God. version of um, of what he would have made. And it's important to note the exit wounds, because if you've ever seen Dawn of the Dead, which he did worked on the makeup effects for and is... Romero's sort of bigger budget, I would never say big budget, but larger budget sequel to Night of the Living Dead, it is filled with exit wounds. They are obsessed with the exit wounds coming out of the heads of all these people. That they have. Well, it was like a new thing. It was like something Tom Savini invented, basically, exactly. right? I mean, and to, to think that was like years, like what, almost 10 years before this movie. Well, like, and and to think, and I, the what 20, he could have done years, with the advancements. 19, 19, really? I mean, Dawn of the Dead. I want to say was Dawn of the Dead was seventy eight. Okay, so yeah, twelve years. You're, 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 oh you're, my god, you're right, seventy eight. I thought it was a little bit earlier than that. Um, but like, to to think what he could have done, <laughs> you know, Tom Savage. He was that was with like no money. Like they were. Sh- is that that's the one they shot in yes. the mall, right? 
Yeah, although they're shooting in a mall like just when it's closed in the middle of the night. That's all they could get permission to that do. One, that like, one to me for my money is the best of the dead movies. Um, like yeah, I know it's that great. It's great. Night of the Living Dead is the original. It started it all, but I think the 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 sort of the, the best um, depiction of the 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 thesis and the idea behind the dead movies is right. is done is done of the dead. Uh, I lo- I love that movie with like, I mean it's pro- one of my top ten movies. I think I I love it so much. Um, it's great. I mean it's funny for me because I actually saw the like remake from two thousand and four or whatever, which Tom Savini is in by the way. Uh, before like way before I ever saw the original, and I saw that movie so many times. Like Ving Rhames and Sarah Polly are in it, and also the dad from Modern Family. Anyway, I've seen that movie like so many times. I really, really love it. That when I finally saw the original Romero version, I have to say I was like, I don't know. I mean, it's not as good as the remake, <laughs> which I realize is not the correct film opinion to have. And I, I'm working every day not to feel that way, but I kind of, I kind of do feel that I way. I know that I should be accepting of where you're coming from because <laughs> you as well recognize the wrongness of that opinion, but. Right. Um, right. I have to say, uh, I can't hold it in. I have to say, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> yeah, sure, fine. Yeah, that's fine. Because you know, I because get it. You know, the, I do get it. Let me just say, I totally get it. But I, you know, I am. I'm just living my own life and living out loud. And this is what I've got to say. And I love Sarah Pauly. <laughs> I love Sarah Pauly. I love Ving Rhames. I actually do like that Dawn of the Dead remake. I thought they did a pretty good job. And if you, and and obviously like there would be no walking dead without night of the living dead, blah, 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 or Dawn of the dead, but there really would be no walking dead without the Dawn of the dead remake. Like that is clearly the step to the TV show, the mainstreaming of, of, um, of this horror trope. Um, but this specific kind of zombie that they have in that movie, which I think became like the standard. I mean, obviously it's the same kind of zombie that's in all the, you know, these other but movies. The, but, the zombie, but the zombie in the Dawn of the Dead remake completely diminishes the metaphor of the zombie in the Dawn in the original Dawn of the Dead. The right, right. Because of- it's not like they're like consumers yes. returning to their, you know, right. Shuffling through their existence. They are you know. zombies. Um, they are zombies and they are, Right, like, exactly. Yes, resorting to a memory of some kind, right? Like they're they're hunting for something. Did you ever see, read that Colson Whitehead book about zombies? No, I'm dying to. Um, I actually am like because you know I love Colson, um, but I haven't read that book. Zone One. Yeah, I read that. It's very, very also hits that metaphor very hard. They have the he comes up with this whole thing that like there's a certain kind of zombie that just does a thing that they remember doing. And they just, they're like, they go to their office and they like sit in their office chair and they just sit in their office chair forever. Or like maybe their like arm is broken off because they keep like picking up the phone that isn't there and they're just like slamming their hand into the desk over and over again. Like that kind of, that kind of stuff, you know. Wait, really? That's, uh, in, that's in that book? Because have you read Severance? No, I, no, the, the Ling Ma book? No, no, I haven't. Yeah, I mean, that's what her zombies do in that as well. Yeah, that's in zone one. Yeah, definitely. So, Chris, I have to ask, like, first things first, um, this is 1990 Remake. Obviously, we're, we're prefacing all of this with 
the director of the movie wasn't working with all of the tools that he wanted at his disposal. It's not the right. movie that he wanted to make. So let's just talk about first things first. Like what was there anything that you liked about it? Uh, well, you know, great question, Ricky. And before I get to that, let me just say, um, so like you're talking about Tom Savini and like, he didn't, you know, he didn't get to make the movie he wanted to make. And it's it, the whole situation of, about why this movie exists is very weird. It's basically like, because of some contract problems, George right. Romero didn't feel like he was making enough money off the back end of Night of the Living Dead. And he was in all these court cases forever. And it's all so convoluted. It's like, well, no, 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 hold on. Won, I, I don't mean to interrupt you. The major, the major is that the company that they originally released it through forgot to copyright the movie. Right. Yes. They didn't yes. copyright the movie. Yes. So the movie immediately was copyright free. And anyone who wanted to release a print of it could do it. So nobody was making money off of everywhere it was shown. It's one of the reasons. I mean, it, it is kind of one of the reasons that it is a classic because it was played everywhere. There was no, it was like no holds barred. Wherever it wanted to play, people could see it. Right, right. So, right. So this is going on and he's suing all these people and it's he won a case about the rights, but then the company who won the case went out of business before they could release the movie on home video. So it was like, it's completely insane. And so eventually they were like, just decided to remake it. They're just going to remake the movie and then like, this will be the version of Night of the Living Dead that everybody can talk about. Right. And uh, they hired Tom Savini actually to do the makeup effects like he'd done on all the other ones. And he didn't get to do on the first one because he was in Vietnam, which I guess he enlisted voluntarily in the military and was sent to Vietnam. And that's where he was in 1968. And so he was very excited to get to do the makeup effects on Night of the Living Dead. And apparently George Romero talked him into instead directing the movie. And then George Romero, like, left and went to Florida and work, was working on some other project. And then Tom Savini and these two fucking producers are having to like knock heads about what the movie should be. And it ends up being this complete fucking disaster. You know, it's like really cruel personally to Tom Savini, this whole thing. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's just weird. I mean, you're talking about like, it's like you said, it's almost exactly a shot for shot remake of the first movie. Although it does have a, a bit more of like a badass woman thing going on. Yes. Like then the first one, like it turns, uh, what's her name? Bar, uh, Margaret, Barbara. 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 They're coming to get you, Barbara. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, she's like, into like a, into, into like a badass woman rather than she's like a proto Terminator Two, Linda Carter. Like she's yeah. wearing like a tank top. She's got a bandolier on. She's like shooting people in the head with a rifle. She's wearing these cool ass, uh, like you know, car like military cargo pants. There's like a funny scene. She's wearing this skirt the whole time, where she like takes her skirt off real sexy, and then she, but then she like puts on these badass, you know, fighting zombie pants, and then she's like okay. a complete badass for the rest of the movie. The thing is, is that uh, uh, Tom Savini and her went to college together, and. Um... And she's a stunt woman. And so he... Yeah, like, so Patricia Tallman, she's a really... She was Laura Dern's stunt woman on Jurassic Park. Like, that's her big thing. But I will tell you, Ricky, do you know what else? She was in more than 50 episodes of Star Trek between, like, various different Star Treks. And she was also the star of this um, sci-fi show from the 90s called Babylon 5. I gotta uh, say, I did... I Chris, I did know that. But I wanted yeah. you to get the chance to say that right. because okay. I would never deny someone the chance to get off. And you know what's funny too is that the other star of the movie, Tony Todd, 
is also in a bunch of Star Trek. Like he plays Worf's brother in The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, and he plays a couple of other aliens here and there. He plays an old Jake Sisko in a really great episode of Deep Space Nine. Um, so you gotta wonder, they must have been on the same episodes together sometimes, and they're like, oh, look, it's a zombie. <laughs> Or they were like, hey, remember that movie that we worked on where everyone was really mad at each other all the time? And you're like, yeah, that sucked. I really don't want to think about it. Thanks yeah. for bringing it up. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure that's, that set sounded like it was a nightmare for everybody in, in, involved. I mean, if your director is talking about being that miserable, there's no way anybody else is happy. And they also totally fuck up Ben's ending. Like, I, you know, like not, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it late, later, but like, I mean, a, a, a lot was like said in the original movie without even really realizing they were saying it, I think. Whereas in this one, they, they felt like they consistently wanted to deny saying anything. They were trying to yeah. remove any kind of social uh, context. Well, I guess like the rich people are bad. I mean, that's happening. So that's like a little bit of social context. Who are the rich people? The one, the Cooper and his wife? Yeah, don't you think? I mean, she's wearing pearls, Ricky, for God's sakes. I know. I didn't like that, though. Like, having just rewatched the original afterwards, I will say one of the things that I liked about the original is that Cooper is human. Cooper is, you know, he's not he's not uh, a great guy, but he's not like the guy in this. The guy in, in the 1990 remake is a used car salesman piece of shit yeah. that like if you were trapped in an elevator with him for 10 minutes, you'd strangle him. I, mean, I actually couldn't really remember because really I haven't awful. seen the I haven't seen the original in a while. Like, is he coded as being like rich like this Cooper's coded as being rich? No, not really. I mean, he's just a guy. Whereas in this, right, he's like wearing a suit and a tie and like his wife is wearing pearls and an evening gown or something. It's like they came from kind of like her christening or something because the girl is wearing a white dress. So maybe that is supposed to be what it is. No, he's just a guy who, in in the original, he's just a guy who like, he thinks that being in the basement is smarter than being upstairs. And that's really it, right? He's not a condescending prick about it. He, that's just what he believes. And then there's one line when he's in the basement where his wife says, oh, it's more important for you to be right than it is for you to like do do what's right. That like gives you a sense of like who this person is. But the actor never plays that. He plays something a bit more like a nuanced and human than that. Whereas the actor Tom Towles in, um, in this remake, he very much plays consistently without fail a nonstop condescending prick that you yeah that you're like just shoot the, just shoot this motherfucker i have to say i didn't realize it at the time i didn't recognize him but he is otis and henry portrait of a serial killer oh really unreal to me well speaking about this like you know whatever it's a zombie movie inevitably and it is the template of all zombie movies because as we're saying it is basically a remake of night of the living dead i mean i did find myself wondering is it like who do you think was right would it have been safer to stay in the basement or would it have been safer to stay up in the house i think i think by the end neither was safe right because well, right, because you're like inevitably trudging towards because death. Because he has and... to leave the he has to leave the house to go to the basement, 
And then when by the time he comes up from the basement, he's a zombie. Right? When we meet him again, he's a zombie. Right. Whereas in the original, he does in the original, he does go to the basement. I mean, this is what's so fucked up about this remake. Ben in the original, <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's the fatal flaw of the remake. I mean, there's a lot of flaws, but this is the fatal flaw of it, which is in the original, Ben. Like everybody else gets killed and Ben goes to the basement. That's where he hides. He starts hearing gunshots because the 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 like the whole town has gathered and they've turned into a posse and they're killing the zombies together. And so he starts hearing gunshots and he comes upstairs and he's alive. He's not a zombie. And he gets up to the living room and he sees these people and he comes to the window with his gun because he's kind of he doesn't know who it's gonna be, and they kill him. And they say, Good shot. And that's the end of the movie. They kill Ben, right? But he's alive. He's not a zombie. In this, he goes to the basement, and then he gets turned into a zombie. I mean, it's just constantly having your cake and eating it at the same time. No one wants to make any clear narrative decision here, right? No one wants to make anyone the bad guy, even though, you know, Tom, Tom, Tom Terrell, Tom Towels, excuse me, is playing consistently the bad guy. Well, I think, I mean, I agree with you that, that it's different and it doesn't make the same point as the original. It doesn't land in the same way and it's baffling, right, that it, it is done that way. But I think what is trying to happen in this movie is I also think Ben, like, so we're saying Cooper is coded as this complete asshole and he's like a real piece of shit. But like Ben is also in this version, like, I feel like a lot more aggressive and often I found myself in scenes thinking like, well, they're both just acting crazy and it. And I think that's a lot of Tony Todd's performance. He's very intense. And like, but it kind of shifts the focus onto Barbara. Like Barbara is the protagonist now in the movie. You know what I mean? And we're supposed to think like, oh, the Cooper and Ben are both wrong. Like they're both two sides of the same coin. They're both like hyper masculine and like they think they know best and they're screaming and shooting at each other. And it's kind of trying to posit this other way of doing things which is represented by Margaret, which I don't know exactly what she's representing that's different, but it just like being a little more sensible, I guess. I agree. I agree. There is something, Tony Todd's performance is a little more aggressive than, than, than Ben. Um, but I think that's because they changed the end, the, the, they changed the climax, but there's something that, there's something within this movie that like, they don't trust the text as much right so they have to hammer it a little bit right. more um cooper has to be more of an asshole ben has to be more correct and so that's why they have to come to this sort of this, these blows at the end where they're shooting at each other over the staircase right where that's maybe where you get your kind of like wealthy poor as well ben's on or uh, cooper's at the top of the staircase shooting down at at ben and maybe if you wanted to read some sort of class or racial context into that you could or subtext into that you could. I don't really think it's there. Apparently, according to Romero and the folks who made the original movie, the racial subtext wasn't there for them. They just cast that guy because he came in and they liked him the most. That seems crazy for me. For that, for that. In 1968, like in the middle of the fucking like civil rights movement and like they were just like, oh, we have no thoughts about this at all. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, mean, I, I find that very hard to believe. So, 
you know, read into it what you will, but yeah, that's, that's what they say. But with this, it, it does feel like everybody's pushed to perform it performance wise to a place that they shouldn't really be. And none of it makes as much sense. Even when Barbara starts kind of losing control and shooting people randomly, which is also one of the best zombies of the movie. The one that Barbara shoots like three times in the chest and then in the face that looks like. Oh yeah. That guy who looks like a, a, he looks like some kind of snake Holocaust survivor kind of thing. He looks like a chemo patient from a Star Trek movie. And he's moving his arms in this way that's very fluid and like you don't see a lot. And he was he was really going for it. Uh, yeah. And I and he was not wearing a shirt, and his ribs look really crazy. And he seems to be having a lot of fun. You know, it's one like, of the best parts of the movie. It's one of the few parts of the movie that I think, unfortunately, feels um, that feels kind of like gratuitous. And the whole movie should feel gratuitous. That's what Tom Savini yeah, said right. that he was so upset with this movie was that like it's a Tom Savini, George Romero film. People are expecting gore and like they stopped us at every step of the way to create that. And it's unfortunate because that is what you would expect from the two of them. And it's a quite boring movie without it. I mean, it's so odd too. And I, I read the same thing where he's talking about the MPAA and stuff, but like, you know, given all of the slasher movies that came out in the eighties, like did this movie just happen to come out at some kind of like reactionary moment against that kind of thing? Because obviously there was all sorts of stuff in all huge major release movies all throughout the 1980s. That was like way grosser than anything that's in this movie. Like, I mean, Tony Todd literally has a big, like killing zombie, like out of frame moment where he like stabs into the ground. Do you know what I mean? And he, all you see is his shoulders and he's like, Rrr. Yes. And you just have to think like, why is every kill not an opportunity for something interesting to be happening? Well, and there's a lot of just like he like punches zombies in the face. Like there's lots of just like where they're having he's having like TV fights with zombies. Actually, this is when you asked me originally what one of my favorite things was. This is really stupid, but like there's a scene where Tony Todd has to run through a huge field of zombies. And he did something which I don't believe I have ever seen in a zombie movie before, which is he keeps low tackling the zombies and then just running past them onto the next one. And I was like, that's a, an ingenious zombie fighting move because what's the thing about zombies? Like they're uncoordinated and if they bite you, it kills you. So he's like knocking them out at the feet and then they hit the ground and they go like, and roll around. And then he's just onto the next one. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like well away from the teeth the entire time. I was like, this is genius. Genius. I really like this. I was really into watching it. Um, but it is kind of... What's interesting about the zombies in the original Night of the Living Dead versus the zombies in this Night of the Living Dead, and I think it's because the zombies in this Night of the Living Dead are influenced by the films following the original 1968 night, right? Like Dawn, Day, even like Return of not maybe not Return of the Living Dead. That's like a comedy about zombies. I love that movie so much. Um, have you ever seen that movie, Chris? I don't think I have. No. What is it? Return of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead is so much fun, and the the sequel is really fun too. It's Dan O'Bannon, I believe, who did like Alien, and it's like the, they're these great '80s comedy zombie movies, um, but they're not entirely comedy. Uh, anyway. What I was going to say is the zombies in this movie, 
if you watch the original night, the in the original Night of the Living Dead, nineteen sixty eight, the first zombie chases. Right, like it's kind of a limp chase, but he's chasing her, and then um, Cooper's daughter murders Cooper's wife, like not by just grabbing her and biting her. She gets a garden pitch and stabs her with it. Oh, right, so right. like they're they're grabbing weapons and they're running. The, the 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 complete idea of the zombie hadn't been formed yet and this movie operates from the position of it having been formed which right. is they're exciting. like traditional movie zombies where they like yeah they're never going to pick up a weapon although i guess in this movie one of but the zombies the, the, does but, pick up a brick but the idea but the the thing but what i'm saying is that the tradition hadn't been right. it's a remake right. of the movie that hadn't formed the tradition yet the tradition right. was after the movie that it's remaking because the the movie that it's remaking like invented these things and it didn't it hadn't been worked out like what the rules of being a zombie were yes exactly right 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 yeah. but this movie obviously exists in a tradition where they just the audience expects zombies to act a certain way you know yeah so which major- turned out not to be true right i mean people kept reinventing how zombies could function like in the 21st century i guess like fast zombies right from uh 28 days later like is that the first time there were fast zombies yeah i think that was the first i think that was the first time and wasn't the dawn of the dead remake fast zombies as well i think they were like kind of fast i I forget now i think they were fast yeah they were like scary monsters not just like dead people Um, some major differences with this we've already talked about, but, um, Barbara's ending, obviously Barbara becomes a bit more of a, uh, she's the main character and becomes more of a, uh, like you said, Linda Hamilton, um, badass at the end, even though it's a year before Terminator 2. Um, also the movie, there's, I, I think a major difference for me is that it feels like there is less character development in this movie than there is in the original. Like this one starts immediately with them. Like Barbara, they're coming to get you, Barbara. We're out of the car. There's a zombie there right away. In the original, there's like this lead up where they're in the car together talking and they're talking about where the graveyard is and getting there and what it feels like to go see this grave. And then it starts to build up to that. And then even in the house, there's more feelings about what all this means, where it feels like this remake kind of bypasses that because it assumes that everyone knows about zombies and about and, and about this whole idea, so it doesn't have to do as much work. But that work in the original is actually character work and not just plot work. And it kind of helps the story. Um yeah, I, I mean, I haven't that... rewatched it as recently as you have, but I can definitely believe that. Like, it just, a lot of this movie felt, like, very flat, and the people are just stock archetypes, and there's nothing, you know, surprising about any of the choices any of the people are making. It's just, like, you can look at what they're wearing and know what they're going to say and how they're going to die, like, right off the bat, you know? Yeah, and there's also no, you know, there's an iconic shot from the original movie, 
of a um, female zombie like eating a piece of flesh from an arm. Like she's just sort of standing at a tree holding a piece of holding an arm eating flesh off of it, which in 1968 I imagine was fucking shocking. Yeah, right. Like totally. out, like outrageously shocking. And this movie doesn't. Even I mean, it's kind of gross that. to watch today. It's kind of gross to watch today. Like. You know, imagine if you were in 1968, like, it would have fucking blown your mind, I am sure. I am 100% sure. There isn't even a scene. There's one moment where they, the zombies are, like, kneeling over a body eating it in this. But even that is, like, shadowed and covered up where it's like, my God, it's 1990. We've seen Day of the Dead. We've seen, like, Dawn of the Dead, they're pulling guts out of bodies. Yeah. They're, like it's as gory as you as as you could possibly make physically at that time not even censorship wise physically you could possibly make yeah tom savini was like inventing new ways to like apparently a lot of the stuff on that movie they were just kind of like improving you know they were just be like well i don't know we got like a hammer and we got like a tire and they would just like try to figure out how to squish some prop head in a way that was like super super uh, gross uh, and, and that, so there is not that awesome. kind of creativity at work in this movie, like not even close. No, there's none of that. And what what is also at work in this movie, though, is professionalism, which seems to take away from the general idea of 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 these movies, right? Like the cinematographer knew how to frame a shot a little bit better. Right. The cinematographer knew, like, they knew how to stage the scene in a professional TV way. Yeah. It just There's looks like, it looks a lot that. like a TV show. A lot of it. Right. Like it just yeah. has. Very Where it's like, like night, night and dawn feel like they are being staged by people who are learning filmmaking as they go along. Like you said, they're like finding the hamburger meat and making whatever they can. And there's a DIY aspect to it. That feels like super punk rock and cinematic at the same time. And this is just like, everything is just kind of like, be it performance, be it changes in style, be it changes in gore, be it producers fucking with them. It's just kind of kneecapping the whole, uh, the, the, the whole process all the way through. Yeah, no, I mean, it just feels like a, like a spooky thing you would see on TV in like 1990, like a, like a really crazy episode of Zorro or something, you know, I don't know. It doesn't have a feel of like, because I think the stuff you're talking about, the like improvisational, sort of like DIY punk rock parts of the the other the earlier movies, it gives it makes them more impactful. It connects with you. It surprises you. You know, yeah. it does things that don't normally happen in movies because these are people that like don't know how to make a normal movie. So it's like it, it like really gets to you. Like I mean, and, and the shots you're talking about, like the shot of the girl eating the the arm and the first one, like in a better structured movie like that might not even be in the movie. Cause it just kind of is just there to be weird. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, but it's great and it's so memorable and it's so, you know, like influential on decades and decades of cinema. But if it's like, if you had a bunch of like TV producers and uh, cinematographers who were knew how to like structure the day, they'd be like, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't think we have time for this shot of this. It doesn't really connect to anything. And you know, we're running along on this other setup. So like, let's just not do it. And like that's makes the movie exactly. worse, you know. That's exactly what it is, and that's what the whole movie feels like, right? Like the the majority feels like feels like, let's get today's shots done and let's get out of here. Yeah. 
exactly. Like, oh, we're having to shoot a lot it's of this at night. Like, oh, it's so that sucks. You know, let's just do what we got to do. We got all these extras. and It's really unfortunate because the original Night of the Living Dead, while dated because, you know, versions of it and ideas and its ideas have just been like, have become rooted in our culture in the way that superheroes have been rooted in our culture. God damn the walking dead. Fuck that show. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, ne- I never it, was a fan it, of the show. I never was a fan. Night of the living, the original night of the living dead rewatching it. It still feels inspiring. It still feels like get your goddamn camera out and make whatever you can. And just like, and, and just go for it. and, it's 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 a really beautiful. Did thing. you see one uh, cut of the dead from uh, last year? I think. No, you told me to, and I've been meaning to watch it. I just haven't had a. It's a great yet. zombie movie in that vein. I think it's you know it's uh it's very surprising. It's about it's it's kind of in two halves, and it's first about people making a zombie movie, and then like real zombie stuff starts happening. Uh, not to give a spoiler, but it's just like brilliantly constructed. I mean, it is a little bit more professional, definitely. But, you know, if you watch the behind the scenes stuff of it, it's also isn't <laughs> like, you know, it seems to be a little bit more professional of a movie, but it's actually like completely seat of the pants and they're just doing all sorts of insane shit all the time. There's a great video of them because it's like they're shooting the movie. It, it's very complicated, but it's like there's a camera crew filming a camera crew who are the actors in the movie, but they're also occasionally we're watching the movie from their point of view. And there's all sorts of practical effects. And so, you know, arranging it all so that it happens and all the cameras don't see each other and et cetera, et cetera. It's like very difficult, you know? And there's a great video of like people rolling around on the floor, like squirting fake blood onto a wig and then like putting it on somebody who has to like put it on and jump up really fast. And, you know, it's like a play or something. It's, it's great. It's a lot of fun. And the movie's good too. What is your favorite part of this movie? And what is, but what, and what is your favorite part of the original? Ah, well, you know, I mean, the remake is pretty flat. There aren't a lot of like fun mo- or really super well done moments of of this movie. Um, one thing I thought of is just uh, there's there's some there's only a little bit of like cuts of zombies to being gross. Like you were talking about before, like them eating people's flesh and blah blah. There is a short sequence towards the end of the movie where there's a couple minutes of that of zombies doing stuff. And obviously some of it is just the actors just doing whatever, right? And there's this one moment where there's like three zombies and they're all like eating flesh, you know. And there's one of them is this kind of like a little bit of a silly looking fat guy and he grabs the one zombie is eating somebody like a disembodied hand grabs the hand away from it and sort of turns it around like it's a fun looking piece of corn or something. And the guy makes this kind of like amused face and does a little head waggle. Like he's basically like a cartoon licking his lips, you know, (laughs) he's just shy of that. And I was like, see, this is fun. (laughs) See, this is fun. I wish we were just watching more of these like zombie actors just like doing some zombie stuff. Like this is, I I was great and I enjoyed watching it. So my part of the movie is kind of corny and it's sort of what the movie was attempting to do and i and i I wouldn't necessarily say that i bought it but that um it's this this actress who plays barbara it's her ending and who she becomes and the final moments of the movie where she's watching them all get off on like shooting and hanging these people it's this interpretation of the final moments there's a couple things going on there that i like one 
I like what they did with Barbara's character. I, th- I think that actress clearly fits that part so much better than what she had been playing for the first half of the movie or the first three quarters of the movie. She's so bad. Oh, where she's just like screaming and going like running like, away from things and being terrified. Oh, yeah. She's, she's, she's terrible. She's like really unwatchably bad. And then in the end, when she becomes this badass, all of a sudden everything makes sense and she's, she works and it's great to see this actress find something that she can do. Um, but then also, you know, the, the, the final moments of the original Night of the Living Dead, uh, which are, are they, after they shoot Ben, are these still frames of men with, like, um, meat hooks ripping into the bodies and, like, dragging them and, like, really ripping into Ben and dragging him. And there's something horrifying, especially, I imagine, in 1968, about a group of white men grabbing a black body with meat hooks and dragging him, but isn't necessarily in this final moment. But I think what this movie lacks in its sort of uh, credits, uh, still based credit scene, it, it, it makes up for in these shots of Hugh, like people just getting off on shooting the hanging bodies. Like they're just really like, well, getting so off yeah, on we were killing all of these people, which isn't it's not exactly in the end of the original night. You know, they're 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 shooting bodies and trying to get to the house and talking about making it through, but they're not having a party over it yet. In this, they're having a party, which feels also like even more of the uh, preface to yeah. The Walking Dead than, than the yeah, original. Yeah, this is night. the only part of the movie I've seen Tom Savini say like, oh, yeah, well... We did get to do like we did get to do a little bit of kind of a sequel or add some ideas to Dawn to Night of the Living Dead in this part you're talking about this end of the film. There's just kind of a five minutes or so at the very end where yeah she's rescued and she sees right that that the regular people who've survived are yeah getting off on killing the zombies and torturing the zombies and then yeah she she ends up killing cooper at the end too right which is like it turns out cooper has survived this whole ordeal first they find ben as a zombie which logistically i have some questions about how he turned into a zombie uh because he yeah right why he came upstairs to the door (laughs) um so they kill zombie ben and then she happens to go upstairs. She's going upstairs and looking around, and, and Cooper comes down from the attic. He's been in the attic the whole time. He survived. And he's like, oh, my God, you came back for me. And then she just, like, shoots him in the head. <laughs> and then the other... Platoon style. She Willem Dafoe's, yeah. and she, like, Tom Berenger yeah. Willem and Dafoe's. And then the other... Style. Friendly They're fire. Like, she's like, another one for the pile. That's <laughs> like... That was pretty good. That was also pretty good. I, I mean, that was I, I liked that the movie made the choice that she killed this guy, you know? Right. But uh, did he really deserve to get killed? I mean, maybe he deserved to get killed. He wasn't a great guy. Right. Like, it would be a little bit know. braver if they, they didn't do anything to him and he got to survive, you know? And it just would... Also, what I... What I wanted to say was that, like this ending, this um, this 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 thing that he that Tom Savini said he got to do that was like a sequel to the original, yeah. was done in Dawn of the Dead. Like all of what, like this whole ending where they're hanging them and shooting them and having fun, 
is in the beginning. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Like, and right down to the fact that they they begin this whole sequence with like a helicopter and like Dawn of the Dead. The helicopter is obviously such an important part of the Dawn of the Dead. I was like, this is just all Dawn of the Dead. Like, why is this in this in this movie? You know, I don't know. Um, Chris, I have to, I have to, I have to ask, what's the most, um, what's the most, because, you know, most of the movies that we're going to be talking about on 30 years later are from the nineties, 10 years, uh, face, face, yeah, face that barrel. Uh, what, well, uh, as you said about about some other movies that we've watched, like Mr. Destiny, in a lot of ways, it's not a very nineties movie at all. Right. Uh, I mean, I got to say the Lyndall Hamilton thing, the like centering the Margaret character, like making her into like a shotgun toting, you know, zombie killing badass, uh, which I think work, I think works. And like you're saying, it suits the actress a lot better than the other part of the movie. Um, and it is very prefiguring this kind of like Linda Hamilton character. Although I feel like there, the, that thing didn't become that much of a thing in, in the nineties. It didn't actually, I mean, you had, Pulp Fiction, uh, I don't know, you had like Banditas, that movie with uh, Selma Hayek. Was that even in the 90s? That might have been in the 2000s. But yeah, I mean, it's a 90s thing because it makes me think of Terminator 2, but I actually don't think it became much of a 90s thing beyond that. Um... Yeah, you might be right. I mean, most most of the women in like they were like th- the stars of thrillers, right? You had like Sandra Bullock, yeah, who right. in the mid to late like the 90s next, was in the Pelican you know, Brief movies about was the yeah. star of movies. Exactly, exactly, exactly. That's 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 sort of what we got. Or like or we got sleeping with danger, I guess you know. Terminator Two, which is or sleeping with the enemy, yeah. Yeah, you had the women. Woman in peril, or woman, um, you know, or, or or femme fatale. That's 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 really what you had, and I think, yeah, I mean, that's one of the positives that you could say about this movie that it was intentionally trying to break that mold in the sense that it was neither. Yeah, it's woman like an in empowered. Nor she's the fatale. sensible one, and she's also the capable one, and she survives not because of some kind of weird like moral system that the movie set up like in a, a normal 80s slasher but because she like is smart and can shoot people in the head and you know like that's why she survives which is pretty cool i agree i think it's cooler than what my what? 90s thing is about this movie what is your 90s thing ricky my 90s thing about this movie is that it is afraid of race <laughs> Yes, I mean, yes, sure, yes. Like think because about, it think about where think about what the movie did with the the with Ben in 1968 when it wasn't even thinking about race. Think about what a movie about Ben would have done in the 70s or like I mean even Dawn of the Dead in the 80s, right? Where there was a black main character as well. Uh and then this which is like don't even address that he's black. Don't even address the conflict. And then, like, let's not even kill him at the end where he's still alive and, like, even play into the racial dynamics. Let's remove that completely. He's turned into a zombie. It doesn't mean anything. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a seemingly, like, a, a, a fearfully post-race movie. Right? Yeah, I mean, it, it isn't, it isn't. And, 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 the, and the fact that, like, him and Cooper are having all these, like, really pitched fights with each other and end up like, you know, shooting at each other. 
and you know, there's no racial element to this at all. There's no explicit class element to it at all. You'd think they would be taking any, especially Cooper would be taking any opportunity to say anything hurtful about Ben, but he doesn't, you know, he just, he's very respectful. And the, which, end, yeah. and the, and the, and the end of the movie, I mean, like in the nineties, you didn't really have, it was very segregated. I have to say, right. You either had your token character in white movies who was just a white character that died early on or in this, he does lives on to the end, but he does, he does die, but he is kind of like treated more as a token than he was in the original movie. Or you had your menace to society or boys in the hood or juice or new Jack city. You had black movies or, or white movies and then white movies had a token character. And in this, yeah, like Ben is a token character rather than the main character, which is fascinating because he's butted up against a female main character, not a male main character. So you're, it's, it's, the movie is kind of lost in direction in, in that regard. Yeah, and it doesn't really, it's not concerned about his issues, this version of the movie, or really examining him as a character at all. I mean, he's sort of just another threat to our main character in a certain way. You know, there's zombies, there's Cooper, and there's Ben. And I mean, she's obviously working with Ben, but he's also has this very intense energy, he's shouting. He's like, you know, he's not necessarily right all the time. I think the movie, I, and I forget if this is in the original, but it goes out of its way to show that the zombies are coming because of the like racket that they're making, like banging up all of the uh, boards over the windows, which is Ben's idea. So I feel like it's kind of intentionally undercutting him in some way, saying like, you know, both of these guys are fucking nuts. You know, they just have really intense masculine energy and it's not helpful in a situation like this. Oh, do you think the movie's aware of that? Like is consciously aware of masculine versus feminine energy? I think so. Yeah, because we're, I mean, I, I was thinking about it, watching these two guys like scream at each other. And then the main character, like, I think at a certain point she's like yelling at Ben to stop. And then she's yelling at Cooper to stop. And like, neither one of them will stop. Well, then I think that there's an aspect of the movie that's way ahead of its time in that regard. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't I mean, know. Maybe I, even maybe they were even smart more, people back then, you know. Maybe um, even more ahead of its time than like Terminator Two, which is like obviously a better movie, but Terminator Two tries to transpose uh, masculine energy for or feminine masculine energy for feminine energy, right? Like Linda Hamilton becomes right. a masculine. I mean, she is a man, person. right? embracing femininity whereas um the barbara character in this ends up still being feminine while at the same time being the for lack of a better way to put it masculine character classically masculine character of the piece right yeah yeah toting guns around yeah doing a lot of yeah exactly being a total there's a in the end of the scene she's wearing this great military jacket uh, looked great or it's i guess it's just a denim jacket actually but it's got yeah. this i don't know yeah it would look good on her you know it was cool but tough <laughs> in that regard does that mean that the movie is good i you know yes no. i mean no. from that no. point of view yes no okay fine i don't know why you set a trap uh... for me like that it seems very uncharitable it wasn't meant to be a trap because I, I, I was a, a genuine question that I asked to myself as well and then answered. Asked and answered, Your Honor. Yeah. I mean, do you think <laughs> the movie do you think do you think the movie is good for that reason? No. Do I think it's good? No. I mean, do I think it's like a good movie? No. I mean 
But it's it's complicated because it's a remake of Night of the Living Dead. I mean, if you had never seen Night of the Living Dead and you saw this, I think you could get something out of it because it is almost exactly the same movie, you know? I I desperately want to agree with you, but I don't think I can because there is something that feels very banal and 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 whitewashed about this is a horror movie whereas even watching the original night of the living dead there that still feels kind of shocking and of the moment and specific yeah. and you can you can feel the 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 elements of a of a voice there whereas you you just can't really feel that here it it it, it like I, 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 I will say when i first saw night of the living dead i was so surprised at like how how like you know it's just uh complete like amateurish and exuberant and just like like the like if like if characters in a sitcom have to watch a horror movie that you just hear like blue ah like it, it's like that you know but it's great it's great well, you know, like I, I was watching this documentary on 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 Criterion about Night of, about the original Night of the Living Dead, and something Guillermo del Toro said about it, which is that like it was the first move, it was the first horror movie that really felt like it felt like all horror movies took place somewhere outside of your home, right? Transylvania mm. or like Swamp World or or, or or something else, you know. Whereas this one is like was next door. They're every, like your your home is coming after you, and that was new. And I imagine Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which was prior to Nightmare, would have felt that way as well. And I'm sure there were other examples of it as well. But there is something specific to that that doesn't necessarily exist anymore, and that makes the remake of Night of the Living Dead not adding anything that new to it feel dated and knit, like right off the bat. Chris, so I gotta ask. I gotta ask. You know, it's been thirty years since this remake of a movie that came out thirty years before it, or twenty-two years before it came out. What has this movie from thirty years ago grown out of? Bruh, this is actually a hard one. I mean, usually there's something you can really peg as being not something that would be done right now in in movies. And I, I didn't feel that way watching this movie. I wasn't seeing like, oh, well, you could never do that these days. It was kind of just like, you know, something about the way it was. I want to say something about the way it was bland, but that totally is something that would happen yeah. now that, that yes. you would remake a classic movie for some kind of complicated legal reason. And it just kind of isn't very good. Like that just is timeless, completely timeless. So like, I don't, I honestly don't know. I don't know that I have one. Like, what, what do you think, Ricky? Oh, I think it's the blandness. I think there's no way that you would remake this movie without it being um, a shocking gore mess, right? Like even the remake that they made with Sarah Pauly was kind of a shocking gore mess, right? It was they. It was meant to be. It was meant to have at least a few moments of pure shock. This does not have any moments of pure shock. Yeah. There's no moments of someone eating a piece of flesh off an arm or like tearing out test testins or body parts to eat them. There's, there's just no clear moment of disgust that this movie should have. And I think that is something that I think any producer, any, any producer of see, any I, intelligence. 
would recognize. I feel like this still happens because I feel like people, I feel like what would happen now is people get in their heads about the audience segment for the movie. And they think that like, if we need to have it be rated PG or something, do you know what I mean? And they would, they would make, they would really neuter it and you would, wouldn't really see any of the kills. Um, I feel like that would still happen. I feel like that would still happen. I'm not saying it would be good or that it's that common, but I, I feel like it's it's exactly what uh, Tom Savini was talking about. When the producers are in charge of the movie, it's like all you're thinking about is you know different like like audience survey reports you have that you think translate directly into dollars, and they're just trying to like nail together as many of those as possible to make as much money as they think they can make with this movie. And like I totally see it happening that they would take out all the gore. Yeah, but like if you're gonna get an R rating, go for the R rating. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I agree with you. I agree with you, but I, you know, I think not everybody is as smart as us, Ricky. I'm looking up right now the rating of the 1978 film, because how was that movie rated? Fucking. Oh, it got an X rating. Oh, really? <laughs> God, that movie. That movie is so good. It's on YouTube. I might watch it tonight. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, well, Ricky, this is something we didn't talk about during the body of the show proper, but like, you know, we've talked many times about I'm like, I'm a, a good boy and I don't like spooky stuff that's mean to people. Um, but you were like really obsessed with this kind of stuff when you were a kid, right? Like, you know a lot about Tom Savini oh, dude, and you're stuff. Oh, shit. Wait, what did you say? I just missed what you said, something about Tom Savini. Oh, like, you know a lot about this kind of stuff from when you were a kid. Like, you know about Tom Savini. Did you, like, subscribe to Fangoria? Like, what? Yeah, I subscribed to Fangoria, and I had and I had a couple of Tom Savini's makeup effects books. Um, did you ever try to make any of that stuff I, yourself uh, at home? Um, when I was in college, I made a, I made a short film about a kid that, uh, broke into his air conditioner and huffed Freon and went into a hallucinogenic nightmare where, uh, somebody was eating his brain. And, um, I made a, um, fake head with, um, uh, like brain underneath that was like pulled apart and, you know, it didn't look very good, but the way that we shot it to make it look good was that we strobed it so that it was like constantly, you know, disassociative and distorted. And so um, someone was like pulling apart this paper mache uh, head with hair on it and pulling spaghetti out of it. Like uh, or that, that, that in distortion looked, you know, like disgusting enough to be, to be, to, to be brain. I don't think I read that. I don't think I read that in Savini's book as much as I just sort of um, was probably influenced by having read that a few years earlier in, in, in high school. And I actually have the pictures, the Polaroids of that, that, that kid and that head on my refrigerator because he's no longer with us. So I have, I have him with that head on there. On, on my <laughs> That's fridge. awesome. That's awesome. You should use that. That's, yeah. that's good social content for the episode, Ricky. You should, you should use that. Uh, for better or worse, I think 30 years later, if you were going to do a horror movie with only one black guy, that would be a huge part of the movie. Yeah. Right? Like, he wouldn't just be another person in the movie, uh, which he is in the original, except 
I mean, it's that's what they say, but it's kind of debatable considering the last images of the movie. Yeah, um, right. And, but, but Ricky, I offer the entire career of Samuel L. Jackson as a rebuttal, who is like the black guy in a million action and horror movies, and never, ever does his character have anything to do with being black. Well, not except for Django. Well, okay, fine. That's like not, we're not talking about like Die Hard 3 or... Uh, Die Hard 3 is a huge thing. I guess you're right. I guess you're right, yeah. But I will say... I, I, what you're saying is not, is not wrong, but, um, I do, I, 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 I do think that when Samuel Jackson came along, it was a different time than when the guy who played Ben came along in 1968. Oh, well, sure. Yeah. Or, or even when Tony Todd came along in 1990 and, you know, we would be, re- we would be really stupid to not remark that. Tony Todd plays Candyman. Oh uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Who is probably the greatest um, black horror character in all of horror movies, right? Yes, I mean, definitely. Yeah. Like I mean, with the exception of black exploitation horror movies, Candyman is the black figure of horror movies in a movie that actually tries to address race and address his, the history of the black community in a specific uh, urban environment in, in, in America. Um, so Tony Todd is, is, is a legend. But within this movie, they consistently try to negate the, the element of him being African-American, which feels like another fearful... It feels like the same thing of not having gore. It feels like terrified of being anything but a straight shot down the middle that people can ignore when it's on in the background. <laughs> It's just very odd. And I feel like this movie was a failure, right? Was it? Um, I, 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 let me just, uh, let me just, uh, check here. Who's this? 1990. Oh yeah. Five, Something's five million dollars. It made more than its budget though, I guess it made Five point eight, and the budget was four point two. So, but I, but if it it existed mostly to be like rented on video, so I have no idea what those numbers are. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure it didn't even exist to be released on video. It existed to be like on uh, cable television. Yeah. Yeah. It existed for like cable television purchases. Yeah, I have I have no idea like what number. What did you say? Five million? It said five point eight million on like Google. And like in box office, yeah. Right. It was the hundred and twenty fourth movie in grosses that year. Two ahead of Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. (laughs) That's hard to believe, actually. You know, I might, I might watch that tonight. Oh, damn, you got a fucking lot to get to tonight, Ricky. Like, I I love watching bad horror movies, man. They give me horrible, they give me horrible nightmares. But I love oh, watching. Do they really? Do you actually have nightmares? Yeah, I really, I actually have nightmares. I can I just interrupt to say I had a nightmare recently. I went to where I literally sat up in bed, and it was that I was like 
contributing to a student newspaper, even though I was my current age self, and they fired me for being a bad writer. And the woman who was my editor was just like, I mean, ugh. <laughs> like about like what my writing was like. And I was like, it made me feel so bad. And I woke up in a cold sweat. Chris, I love you. I have a version of that nightmare all the time. <laughs> it's a nightmare where someone is going, it's a nightmare where someone is like, removing the veil from everybody else's eyes and going like you're terrible yeah and me being like yeah okay you're right and then having to like live with that till i wake up i have that nightmare all the i i hated it i hated it thumbs down to my subconscious i don't appreciate it thanks a lot but no thanks so your subconscious is like afraid of being um invalidated and i have to say you should not be afraid of oh, that. Oh, thank you, you very much. You too, buddy. Of, you too, buddy. You are worthy of all of the validation possible. You are very smart. You're one of the funniest people that I know. And uh, you don't, you, you, you're, hello to Chris's subconscious. <laughs> you don't need to worry about this. This is not something that you need to think about anymore. Okay. Wow. I don't know how to deal with that. So let's just say what a great episode of the show that we had. <laughs>